Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 13th of February 2013. For newcomers, I always suggest this at the beginning, you should help yourself to the audios that are there for free download at cuttingthroughthematrix.com where I explain the big system you're born into, the big foundations uh, that rose up in the late 1800s or 1900s to take over the world basically, the richest people on the planets. These were international bankers initially who lent to nations. Not just people, but whole nations and empires even. In fact, they run the empires, many of them. And they got together, decided to take over the world's resources, run it scientifically, and they would train academia to go along with it, or bribe them or pay them off. Same thing. It's all been done, actually, over a long, long period of time. Plus, as I say, bring in a new type of world order to suit themselves at the top, because the old system was just lagging behind. They couldn't get things done. They said they would use a democracy as a front shield, but they did not believe in democracy. They believed in a feudal system. And their own historian at the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations, Quigley, Carol Quigley said the same thing. The new system is to be a feudal system, a neo-feudal system, with the top CEOs of international corporations as the new overlords. And that's what you have today. They're running everything privately. They put guys into your government, of course. And uh, they put your prime ministers in. They put lots of bureaucrats in. And bureaucrats, remember, never get elected. So they know exactly what they're put in for. And they can carry on their whole life with their agendas across the whole world because they have these organizations across the world today. So you're living through the big transformation, as they call it, into austerity. You're slaves, in other words. It really, it's a massive slave system. I've mentioned before uh, that uh, Charles Galton Darwin in his book The Next Million Years said there's always been slavery in some form or another but simply making a more efficient form of slavery. So efficient the public wouldn't know that we're slaves. And it's already been established. It's done. It's been done a while ago, actually. So help yourself to the website, find out what's really going on, why it's going on. And um, it really cuts to the chase rather than go through all the, the news articles that's a fallout it's all the arguing that you get at the bottom of the fallout. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Or that's wrong? And so on. Number two, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep going by getting the discs and books at cuttingthroughmedias.com. And so you can donate as well. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks. Or you can send uh, international postal money orders from the post office. You can use cash or use PayPal. And across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And straight donations, seriously, are welcome because I don't take money from advertisers. I have no uh, um, investments in any uh, corporations at all. So I just depend upon the listeners, and that's the only reason I'm doing this thing. Because this is the time, uh, and I came out years ago to start telling the public what I knew. And luckily, other hosts have catched on, caught on to this and started pushing it too. But I, I knew this from a very early age, what was happening in the world. We had good, good libraries in Britain at that time, and folk actually read too. And uh, a lot of stuff was published by the big institutions themselves as to where they were taking the world. 
And then as you grew up, you could actually watch it being implemented across the world step by step in different facets, and it all made perfect sense. So there's no mystery to it. It's all been published by them themselves. It's just that the public are kept uh, confused and muddled by the media that's all also owned by the same people who run the world. And uh, you must standardize a population by standardizing education. Lenin said that. Stalin said the same thing. You've got that standardized world education, authorized histories, and all the rest of it. And you have a standardized media where they get all their news from two sources. It's really just one source, in fact, when you boil down to who owns it. So uh, everything is controlled in this system, including what they think is the Patriot Movement in many respects, too. Because big boys have got some... They don't leave anything to chance, you understand. Be careful. I always say be careful out there. I'll be back with more after this break. Hi, folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. And as I say, it really is a kind of matrix system, and an analogy, that is, because we're living in a system that's so controlled, and, and control of the mind is the most important one of all. And, of course, if you control the minds of lots of people, or everybody, in fact, then you've already won the war, long as everything else doesn't matter. And I've always mentioned to be beware, be careful of those who spin your mind into fantasy, into fantasy or present themselves as saviors, and and so on, and be very, very careful about that because they certainly put them out. Uh, and again, it's from the top as well. You understand, to, uh, when you have any anything truth out there, any truthful at all, uh, anything truthful is going to be attacked or it's going to be emulated and then it's going to be spun off into either UFOs or it's going to be spun off into La La Land and to discredit it and also takes people away from the original uh, sources of facts so if you start prattling off the facts, you're, you're labeled with, you know, people who walk like reptiles or whatever or something like that. So be very, very careful because there are people sent out there to, to cause disinfo amongst the general population. And it works actually because they know that when times get terribly stressful and things look really bleak for everyone, people jump towards either the religion they're in or they'll look for, and today they look for new religions and they're presented to them. Uh, with people who pretend that they're, you know, ascended masters and stuff like that. So be very, very careful when you hear all of that stuff. But as I say in the news, all you get really is the fallouts, but they won't go into the reasons for all the things happening because you're not supposed to really know. Uh, because if you really could put it all together, uh, number one, would be illegal to know all or say it for sure. And number two, um, you'd, be, well, you'd be locked up actually. For saying anything, because there's so many laws about saying what is. So you have to go along just with the fallout and, and guide people alongside it and hope they come to the conclusions themselves. That's how bad it really is. But there's been a war on the public uh, for generations, and they didn't know it. And it's never declared, you see, openly. It's declared in some ways from, from books that are put out or proclamations that are put out from big foundations and the speakers. Uh, if you understand what you're really reading, you're reading <laughs> declarations of war on the general public. And I'll touch on some of that tonight, in fact. But as you know, um, big, big changes going through. It's not just uh, changes in the world map. That's part of it and who owns the, 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 the nations and so on. 
it's more than that. Corporations are taking over everything, of course, and it's plans by one source, one one head or, or the capstone, you might say, in charge of it all. It's all of this plan like this, believe you me, it's, it's not just rogue elements in corporations doing their own thing. It would, it would not be allowed to happen by the other ones who also have given allegiance to the capstone, you might say. But you do see how everything's coordinated together. And, and again, even when Israel attacked Syria recently, it came out in the Israeli papers that the U.S. Uh, intelligence officials told uh, them that, that it's okay. Go ahead and carry out more attacks in the future if you want against places like Syria. So everything's combined together in a way that puzzles folk, and they can't quite figure out why uh, this is all happening. And, of course, everything. I mean, does your country really have the permission to, to get you into a war, possibly, by telling them, yeah, go ahead and bomb them, uh, which, again, makes you complicit in the act, and then your country is now a target. So why is this all happening? No one asks the right questions. And you can't ask the right questions. But I'll, I'll, mention, I'll put this one up tonight, too, as I say, the claim that... Um, uh, they got the green light to go ahead and use uh, surface-to-air missiles and so on, all that kind of stuff. And so at least two additional targets were hit the same night. The Western intelligence official indicated uh, to Time, I guess Time magazine, adding that Israel uh, received a green light from the U.S. to carry out further attacks in the future. So, and again, they brought that fake thing of deploying chemical and biological weapons, even after it came out in the British papers that they were thinking of, of using uh, chemical weapons against the, the, the government of Syria and blaming the government of Syria for and, and then this kind of put the kibosh in this one. It, kind of made, it made the story kind of mute in a sense. So they're definitely at all this, this double stuff, and, and it's so nefarious you have to really dig to try to figure out who's behind what, who's really doing what to whom, and all the rest of it. But you can't believe the media anymore when it comes to warfare. There's no way at all. Also, this is an interesting one. We've got massive um, practice drills going on across the world, and the U.S. is really leading them all. But it says here, that a simulated wave of Caribbean migrants sailed to the Guantanamo Naval Base this week for a training drill designed to prepare the U.S. troops and security agencies who might someday have to handle the real thing. The exercise has been held every two years to prepare for a potential mass migration brought on by political upheaval or natural disaster in the region. More than 500 U.S. troops and government workers flew to Guantanamo Bay U.S. Naval Base in eastern Cuba for the drill, which started on Saturday, runs through Friday. It's not related to any real-world events, said Colonel James Crichton, a spokesman for the U.S. Army's South Unit based in San Antonio, Texas, which is participating in the drill. So it's taking place in the sparsely populated leeward side of the base, which is bisected by Guantanamo Bay. Most of the base facilities are on the windward side, including the detention center that holds 166 prisoners captured in anti-terrorism operations. And it says the base housed more than 45,000 Cuban and Haitian refugees who were packed up at sea sea during the last migration in the Caribbean in the mid-1990s. Also served as logistics hubs for U.S. ships and flights ferrying aid to Haiti after the catastrophic earthquake in January 2010. So big things are happening, as I say, and you don't get the real reasons as to why. But... This article is amazing too, because I mentioned so much, so, so many times that there's a depopulation uh, agenda on big time. It's been on for a long time. That's where you all come down with cancers and so on. 
and you're seeing more young folk die after getting Gardasil or different injections given to them. And you've, you've, you've seen the medical associations bringing out new rules that if they don't die in the office, if they die outside the office, then it could have been anything that caused it. It couldn't have been the injection. Stuff like that. It's just, it's just ridiculous. But also, two people are going sterile in the West. It's because of the food that you've been fed for an awful long time. Let's be honest here, too. Even Carl Quigley said that in the 1960s. He says, suddenly, suddenly, a strange new phenomenon is happening. I mean, and it's all noted in the medical journals of the day, too. In the 1960s, suddenly women were losing their shape. They were losing their hips. And they had wider hips for childbearing. That was a reason for it, you see. That doesn't happen by itself, folks. You're being bioengineered. Bioengineered. And they give you, again, so many inoculations now. It doesn't, doesn't just dumb you down, lower the IQ, but it also, it's, it's, you're getting bioengineered. There's no doubt about it. Hardly anybody's got a working, a properly working immune system today, as opposed to how it was a long time ago. They just don't have it at all. They've all got allergies. Uh, you've, you've got massive uh, rising um, autism along with the massive rising allergies, and you've also got uh, um, rising juvenile arthritis. It's really skyrocketing too, after the shots. So this is warfare. They're not stupid at the top. They just keep going because they're stubborn. No, it's an agenda, folks. And sterility too, of course, is one of the biggest things in all so-called first world countries. And it's also the food uh, they've been eating too. Uh, And again, the processed foods as well. No doubt about it, this is a, a war. Now, the reason that they give for bringing in massive immigration in all the first world countries is because people are not having children. Well, number one, their culture has been decimated by the war. And uh, training them in school that, that uh, you know, children are really a handful. And sure you want that or you want a career and all this kind of stuff. Getting back to the next million years by Charles Galton Darwin, he was a physicist, remember, again, a relative of, of uh, old, old uh, Darwin. But in the 1950s, he wrote that book, Next Million Years. And, and he says, we'll have to try to tempt the women uh, out of the home by getting them a job and a car would do, something something she can go for materially in order to stop having children. Well, it's been awfully successful, you see. So this article says here, Americans are not reproducing enough and the long-term consequences are dire, says Jonathan V. Last is author of What to Expect When No One's Expecting, a discussion with the Wall Street Journal. For more than three decades, Chinese women have been subjected to their country's brutal one-child policy. Those who try to have more children have been subjected to fines and forced abortions. Their houses have been razed to the ground and their husbands fired from their jobs. As a result, Chinese women have a fertility rate of 1.54. Here in America, white college-educated women, a good proxy for the middle class, have a fertility rate of 1.6. America has its very own one-child policy. And, of course, here's the spin. We have chosen it for ourselves. Now, folk don't remember, there was a massive campaign to get women out of the home. In fact, it was, it was designed with psychologists at the top, all the, all the ads and marketing and so on, to make them feel guilty about not getting out there and having what other women were now getting, uh, material-wise, you see. Massive campaign. And they even had it in movies and, and soaps and so on. Oh, you're, oh, you're a housewife. It's always something demeaning. And it's really pushed, push, 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 as I say. 
So it says here, forget the debt ceiling, forget the fiscal cliff, the sequestrian cliff, and the entitlement cliff. These are all just symptoms. What America really faces is a demographic cliff. The root cause of most of our problems is our declining fertility rate. Now, they keep telling you there's too many, there are too many, and it's the same in Britain and all the other first world countries. Uh, and the reason is, to, and most folk grew up believing this because they flooded the countries with massive immigration of the most diverse populations. So you really look, there's an awful lot of people, too many people, who all head for the cities too when you come into countries, they, they head for cities. So they use that technique to make you think, oh, there's just too many folk. No, it's not that at all. When you take, uh, if you take the, the, the rural demographics across the whole planet, it's not that at all. They've all been encouraged, and actually, a lot of them paid actually to come to your countries. And it says here, the fertility rate is the number of children an average woman bears over the course of her life. The replacement rate, to keep it steady, is 2.1. If the average woman has more children, that population grows fewer and it contracts. Today's America, America's total fertility rate is 1.93, according to the latest figures from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. See, they actually look upon pregnancy as a disease, <laughs> folks. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the population uh, control system and how for years they kept telling you, oh, there's too many of you, too many of you. It's all a lie. Because every year, the same organizations, including the United Nations, that, that, that spouted this stuff because they want to bring a population in the world down completely down to a small proportion of what it is today. Uh, but they were also publishing the actual statistics every year, and it showed you the decline. So you weren't, you weren't, you know, that's how it really was. Any rise in, in immigra- immigration brought up the population and actually went over what it used to be. So listen to the wording of this too. You've got to read, everything we read, you've got to listen to the wording. It says, the nation's uh, falling fertility rate underlies many of our most difficult problems. Once a country's fertility rate uh, falls consistently below replacement, its age profile begins to shift. Now, you get more old people, not elderly, but old. Remember, old is, is bad, new is good. That's all your marketing. You've been drummed into you. This is, by, this is intentional, folks. So more old people than young people. And eventually, as the bloated cohort, bloated cohort of old people dies off, because they're nasty now. You know, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're consumers now. They, they, they consume taxes and so on. Never mind all the pension money they put in and all the, the profit the banks made off their, their money all those years. The fact that they're nasty folk because they take, they don't, they don't make things or produce things, they just take now, you see. And now, remember, a good United Nations definition for a good global citizen is a producer and consumer, you see. So as the old folk, the bloated cohort oh, of old people dies off, population begins to contract. This dual problem, a population that's disproportionately old and shrinking overall, has enormous economic, political and cultural consequences. And since 97% of the world's population now live in countries where the fertility rate is falling. Completely opposite what they were telling you about even just two years ago. 
Because they play with your minds all the time. Just for two generations, we've been lectured about the dangers of overpopulation, but the conventional wisdom on this issue is wrong. Twice, it says, first, global pop- uh, population growth is slowing to halt and will begin to shrink within 60 years. Second, as the work, work of economists Esther Bozrops and Julian Simon demonstrated, growing populations lead to increased innovation and conservation. It says, think about it, since 1970, commodity prices have continued to fall. And America's environment has become much cleaner and more sustainable. That's because they put all your factories to China. And you paid for all, too, by the way. Even though our population has increased by more than 50%. Now, how did it increase when it's falling? It must be immigration, right? And it says, low-fertility societies don't innovate because their incentives for consumption tilt overwhelmingly towards health care. See? They don't invest aggressively because with the average age skewing higher, capital shifts to preserving and extending life and then begins drawing down. They cannot sustain social security programs because they don't have enough workers to pay for their retirees. They cannot project power because they lack the money to pay for defense and military age manpower to serve in their armed forces. There's been a great deal of political talk in recent years about whether America, once regarded as the shining city on a hill, is in decline. But decline isn't about whether Democrats or Republicans hold power. It's about political ideology at all, or about that at all. It's all most basic. It's about the sustainability of human capital. See, you're a renewable resource, folks, you know, like any other resource, like trees or whatever. This is whether Barack Obama... Or Mitt Romney took the oath of office last month, we would still be declining in the most important sense. Demographically, it's what drives everything else. It says if a fertility rate were higher, say 2.5 or even 2.2, many of our problems would be a lot more manageable, but the fertility rate isn't going up anytime soon. In fact, it's probably heading lower, much lower, it says. And it says... America's filter rate began falling almost as soon as the nation was founded. In 1800, the average white American woman had seven children. The first reliable data on black fertility began in the 1850s. Since then, fertility rate has floated consistently downward with only one major moment of increase. They, they call it the baby boom. Eh? In 1940, America's fertility rate was already skirting the replacement level, but after the war it jumped and remained elevated for a generation. That was the first healthy generation that you had, actually. Then beginning in 1970, it began to sink like a stone because all the propaganda was getting hammered through universities and colleges and and children were bad and all the rest of it. It says, there's a, a constellation of reasons for this decline. Middle class wages began a long period of stagnation. Well, it was plummeting, actually. still is. College became uh, a universal experience for most Americans, which not only pushed people into marrying later, but made children uh, having them more expensive. Women began attending college in equal and in greater numbers than men. More important, women began branching into careers beyond teaching and nursing. And the combination of the birth control pill, the rise of cohabitation, broke the iron triangle linking sex, marriage, and childbearing. They destroyed the whole point of it, in other words. And there was a massive campaign. And again, masses of taxpayers' money went to the boys who tried this in the 1920s when they brought out the Charleston, remember, and the jazz era, the Roaring Twenties. The miniskirt was brought out too, but they had all the fallout. They didn't have penicillin for all the, for all the venereal diseases it caused. They didn't have uh, state-provided abortion for all the unwanted children. And so they went back to the drawing board and gave, gave us more um, indoctrination through movies and so on because emulate what we see in movies and then they came back with the pill and the, the hippie era and that was the end of it that was, a, that was a massive war that folk don't even know happened awfully well orchestrated tremendously funded by all of you to make it all happen
So I'll put this article up tonight and I've just added, as I say, the real reality behind it, which I don't mention in here. And also, it says here, fertility and immigration. Another one, global demographics, not domestic policy, will control who comes and who goes. This is in Washington, politicians are trying to reform Americans' immigration system again. Well, I'll finish this one when I come back after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. Giving mainstream articles here uh, a little added to them to show you, uh, well, to actually present the things that they don't tell you in the articles. Because I say this is a war that's been on for a long, long time, this this whole idea of uh, filling the world, the first world countries with people from all over the world, to destroy the initial country that was there. The initial country and what it stood for and with, the, with its own culture and so on. That was This is intentional, folks. Same as they've done in Britain, too. I mentioned before, too, uh, the right-hand man, the, 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 the vice prime minister, assistant prime minister of Britain, went off to Tony Blair, pretty well came out and said that, that Blair said they were going to open the floodgates, and that would destroy the cultural uh, history uh, of Britain forever. They could never regain what they were, even as a people. So understand there's one people at the top of all this doing this to everyone else. It's not from Britain. But it says, although a lot of them live in Britain, but it says here that um, for the last 30 years, a massive number of immigrants has poured into the U.S. from south of the border. Today, there's 30 million people living in the U.S. who were born somewhere else. That's an average of more than 1 million immigrants a year for three decades, sustained influx unlike anyone seen before in U.S. history. And regardless of what policies Washington decides on, that supply is likely to dry up soon. So like much else in the world, immigration is influenced by fertility rate. That is the number of children the average woman has during her lifetime. If the total fertility rate of a country is above 2.1, what demographers call the replacement level, then that country's population grows. If it's below 2.1, eventually its population contracts. When it comes to immigration, demographers have a general rule of thumb. Countries with fertility rates below replacement level tend to attract immigrants. Well, that was always a policy. First, get the initial people to live in the country, who live in this country is to decline in population, not have children. And, and then you replace them. That was plans back in the 1920s by certain groups. And it says here, and they're going to Puerto Rico and different, and different ones who've come into the U.S. Now, getting back to the, to the big, big overall plan, going to the United Nations, going to Jacques Attali. Jacques Attali wrote a, one book, he wrote two books actually, but one was called, uh, Millennium, um, Winners and Losers in the Coming New World Order. He, he's one of the top, uh, guys for strategy and geopolitics at the United Nations. He also served as the real boss of about three different uh, French presidents. But, and going through his history too, you'll find it what, because he's got something in common with a lot of the guys who run the world. But he did go into the fact that uh, America eventually would, would be overrun, because that was the whole policy to overrun them with people from the most diverse cultures who were told to keep their cultures, by the way, not assimilate. And eventually the U.S. would, the next boat people would be U.S. ones leaving their own countries looking for work abroad. And we're almost there, folks. In fact, a lot of folk have been leaving the country over the last 15 years or so, getting work elsewhere. That's always been the agenda. 
So, as I say, I'll, I'll put this article up tonight too to show you that they've got different uh, peoples just after Mexicans to come into the States. It's all lined up. It's, it's all planned in advance, as I say. Also, too, I'll put up the video uh, and Obama's uh, State of the Union speech in a transcript form as well. I believe he's got carbon taxes in there, too. I knew that would get round through. And he says, too, in it that if he can't get things through Congress, he'll just simply do it through exec- the executive branch, meaning executive order, and you're under tyranny. And when you get whammed with all these new taxes, especially a personal carbon tax, which will come, that's the intention of it all, is to start, it's eventually going to everybody. You'll get that in your bill. You couple that with the articles I put up last night to do with home inspections, home inspections for, for, for healthy homes, they call it. And then the, the Department of Environment is going to run it too. They've been your homes and say, oh, you've too much leakage here for of thermal leakage or this or that or the next thing. And you're going to get just, eventually they'll just demolish your homes if you can't fix it up. And, uh, and or, or just keep fining you until you do fix it up, until you're totally broke and you leave. That's what Agenda 21 will happen. It's all on course, as you well know. But Obama's just a front man like they all are at the top. Also, uh, they're bringing in tattoos. It says, tattoo calls for help when you fall ill, and researchers believe it could be coming to an arm near you. Now, you've had years of, of seeing, again, they always get the celebrities to, to put on the tattoos first, and you see it on all the movies, and then the youngsters copy it. Monkey see, monkey do. That's, that's what Galton Darwin said, and it works awfully well. And then, then of course, they, they, put, they make them into little circuits. So it says, um, a new high-tech uh, tattoo may soon be saving your grace. Uh, saving, or sa- saving graces is the next time you fall ill. A woman of gold and silk, woven of gold, gold and silk, this temporary skill embosses, uh, embossed could detect things like bacterial infections and let others know you're sick. It's all to help you understand. Everything's to help you, isn't it? The tech savvy, uh, tats that cause come embedded with antenna that would wirelessly alert nearby computers to your malady and help you receive prompt help. Well, God help you if you're in places like Britain and that because uh, you know, you're probably wait weeks to get into the hospital. It says, this is the brainchild of Princeton professor Michael McAlpin, who recently received a grant through his university to expedite his research and make antenna tattoos a reality. The engineering professor says he got the idea while reading a book about a woman who suddenly had an asthma attack at a grocery store. I'm sure he did. Yeah, sure. And so he says, I thought if she can have a positive tattoo that says, I have asthma, why not have an active tattoo that can continuously track your health? Everyone's, see, track is the word. Forget everything else to say on it. It's very simple, folks. How with it? They're always going to help you. Tyranny never tells you what they're going to do to yourself because the real reasons. They're always, that's always under the guise of helping you, even taking all your freedoms away to keep you safe, you understand. And also, too, software that tracks people on social media created by a defense firm. And it was in The Guardian. It says, a multinational security firm has recently developed software capable of tracking people's movements and predicting future behavior by mining data from social networking websites. Well, well they've been doing that for years, but now there's a, a bigger bunch got into it. And there's a video on this link. I'll put these links up tonight to cuttingthroughdemakes.com. A video obtained by The Guardian reveals how an extreme-scale analytics system created by Rayathon. Now, Rayathon is a real company working for the military-industrial complex, but it's owned by the CIA. This is the world's fifth-largest defense contractor can gather vast amounts of information about people from websites including Facebook, Twitter, and Foursquare. All media. They're going to get it from all media. 
Rathun says it has not sold the software named Riot or Rapid Information Overlay Technology to any clients. But the Massachusetts-based company has acknowledged the technology was shared with the U.S. government and industry as part of a joint research and development effort in 2010. So there was the tried out on all of you without you knowing to help build a national security system capable of analyzing trillions of entities from cyberspace. The power of Riot to harness popular websites for surveillance offers a rare insight into controversial techniques that have attracted interest from intelligence and national security agencies, at the same time prompting these civil liberty, these are the authorized civil liberty groups. You all know who they are. They'll say, oh, that's terrible. You can't do that. And that's the last you hear of it. It continues regardless. And the technology demonstrates how the same social networks that helped probe the Arab Spring revolutions um, or propel them, actually, revolutions, can be transformed into a Google for spies and tapped as a means of monitoring and control. Using Riot as possible to gain an entire snapshot of a person's life, their friends, the places they visit, uh, chartered on a map, in little more than a few clicks of a button. So it's the whole kit and caboodle. I'll put that up night tonight too. Also, it's interesting too, that first article mentioned was about Israel got the go-ahead from the White House to go and attack uh, Syria, according to the Israeli newspapers. And then you see who's in charge of, of intelligence around you know, for, the, for the Congress and so on and in Senate. Well, didn't Diane Feinstein, of course. You know. Senator Feinstein says intelligence committee reviews drone attacks. And it says when President Obama used his State of the Union address to affirm we have kept Congress fully informed of our efforts to target terrorism suspects overseas, national security experts wondered exactly who on Capitol Hill got the scoop about secretive U.S. drone strikes. It turns out that the one who gets all the inside stuff on them is Senator Dianne Feinstein, the one who wants to disarm all Americans. <laughs> it's a California who chairs the Intelligence Committee, filled in some of the details. She said in a written statement that our committee receives notification with key details of each strike shortly after it occurs. She said her committee holds regular briefings in which it reviews the drone attacks, examines how effective they are, and verifies the care taken to avoid deaths to non-combatants. Yeah, right. She added that staff members uh, have held 35 monthly oversight meetings to review video footage and other records of the drone strikes. But all of those actions take place in closed sessions far away from the public. Because you see, America's, they pretend it's a democracy, which is not really, it's a republic. And it's supposed to be a republic, which means Felix Feinstein, if they really followed it, couldn't do what she's doing. <laughs> but how they can change everything over time without you even thinking about it, eh? Russia has to introduce biometric ID cards in 2015. Everybody's going for this is going across the whole world now rapidly. It's like a button's been pressed and the whole world goes into it automatically. That tells you you're completely global run by a group at the top. You understand all these major shifts happen in every country at the same time. And I gave a whole lot of articles yesterday and I'll add to some tonight too at cuttingthroughmedics.com. All these links will go up tonight, these stories. Now, Putin also turns black gold to bullion as Russia outbuys the world. It says, not only has Putin made Russia the world's largest oil producer, he's also made it the biggest gold buyer. His central bank has added 570 metric tons of metal in the past decade, a quarter more than the runner-up of China, according to the IMF data compiled by Bloomberg. The added gold is almost triple the weight of the Statue of Liberty, it says here. 
The more gold the country has, the more sovereignty it will have if it's a cataclysm with the dollar, the euro, the pound, or any other reserve currency. If any Fedorov, a lawmaker for Putin's United Russia party in the lower house of parliament, said in an interview, interview, in a tougher interview in Moscow. So anyway, that's their spin on that one. Now, again, I mentioned before that all the video games and so on were initially created for to desensitize soldiers and airmen from killing. That's what war's all about. You're trained to kill folk, you see. And uh, it doesn't matter how you kill them. Uh, as long as you're given permission to kill them, you go off and kill, because it's all legal then, you see. Try it at home and you just murder it. But it's okay when you, when you get up. And they reward you for killing them. So, see, the world's run by a gang, folks. And every nation's run by a, a mini-gang that's all, it's all subservient to the, the top gang. But everything that's illegal for you to do at home is legal for the top gang when they're using you to kill rivals across the world or folk who are in the way. I mean, really, and philosophy, so philosophy is supposed to be using logic. If you can't use logic in certain things, something's wrong. There's not a lot, there's something else at work, you understand. So anyway, the Pentagon's creating a new medal for the cyber drone wars. I think it's in the shape of a seat. You know, a big padded seat, you know. For big padded, you know, gluteus maximuses. It says here, they fight the war from computer consoles and video screens, but the troops that launch the drone strikes and direct the cyber attacks that can kill or disable an enemy may never set foot in the combat zone. Now defense side officials say their battlefield contributions may be recognized. Isn't that nice, eh? As they sit and eat their chips and, and, and say, oh, yeah, whoa, look at that, made his head explode. Oh, that was fun, wasn't it? Defense Secretary Leon Panetta is expected to announce Wednesday that for the first time the Pentagon is creating a medal that can be awarded to troops who have a direct impact on combat operations but do it from afar. Quite something, eh? And the Pentagon inks the deal for a smartphone tool that scans your face, your eyes, and your thumb. Again, biometrics. Everybody's pushing it right now at the same time. That also means all the cops will have it too. The California-based uh, A-Optics has landed a deal with the Defense Department for its biometrics identification system that, that loads onto a smartphone as a hardware mocker. It says here, in a few years, the soldier, marine, or special operator put in patrol might be able to record the facial features or iris signature of a suspicious person all from his or her smartphone uh, at a distance too. The Defense Department has awarded $3 million research contract to California, California-based A-Optrix to examine its smart mobile identity biometrics identification package. Danger Room has learned it. At the end of two years of research to validate the concepts of what the company built, A-Optrix will provide the Defense Department with a hardware peripheral and software suite that turns a commercially available smartphone into devices, scans, and transmits data from someone's eyes, face, thumbs, and voice. Since they've asked us, based on what they've seen of our product, to work on some more specific needs and requirements for the Department of Defense. So, it's, it's currently U.S. troops rely on a single-use device known as the Handheld Interagency Identity, Identity Detection System, or HIDE, H-I-I-D-E, to scan, upload, and transmit data from someone's facial eye or thumb features to his wartime biometrics databases. The hide shown below looks a little bit like the camera, and they tell the kind of camera that it uses for its logo, and troops who want to operate need to bring it close to the faces and thumbs of the people they see. So this new one will do it from a distance, and you, you, you can be getting, you know, sought up there and, and looked up just for a drone strike or something. I mean, that's where it's all going to go, you see.
That's where it's supposed to all go. And you'll never know it. You won't, you won't even know when the drones hit you. They're going to use them internally. There's no doubt about that. In fact, to do with that Dorner case, uh, with, again, the massive publicity they've given this case, and for all the wrong reasons, um, and they mentioned that in today's paper, I'll put a link up tonight too, that uh, the, the big lobby, the big uh, lobby for all these drones and so on, the military-industrial complex, uh, I've got articles out, I'll put one up today, uh, that says that uh, if they'd used more drones, we'd be, what we were getting at was to kill the guy, then it would, may have saved lives. So they need a precedent to get it going across the U.S. That's the whole point of it. Not just to find the guy, but to kill him. That's what they're really going for. And it says, uh, Big Brother spyware riot, R-I-O-T, can even predict future crime. Ties in with the Pentagon stuff because the cops are all using it too. Criminals who pose a threat to national security could be caught before they have even committed an offense with software used to track their online behaviors, claimed. The future movements can be predicted by mining vast amounts of information from social media websites, including Facebook and Twitter, exactly the same as the Pentagon is talking about, that all the cops are using, all the agencies are using them. After a few clicks, a detailed picture of their life, including information about their friends, can be built and used to predict where they might be in the future and who with. Campaigners described as the greatest challenge to civil liberties and digital freedom of our age. The extreme-scale analytics program called Riot, or Rapid Information Overlay Technology, has been created by, again, Rayathon. So they're not just giving it to the Pentagon, they're giving it to every other police and security agency in the States. Just coincidentally, and I also put up that, an article to do with Obama again. President Obama is considering a series of new executive actions, executive orders, such like tyranny, you know, the tyrant, as we did in ancient Rome, aimed at working around a recalcitrant Congress, including policies that could allow struggling homeowners to refinance their mortgages, as they help you, you see, provide new protections for gays and lesbians, that's at the top of the tree apparently, but, uh, make buildings more energy efficient, and that's to do with, again, that HUD program, HUD, on, on home health uh, that the Department of Environment is going to be involved in checking your houses or demolishing them. It's something we've done by executive order. One of, the, one of his first orders expected this week when the Obama administration will call for the creation of new standards on what critical private sector companies should do to protect their computer systems from hackers as well. So to get into all of that, back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and talking about population control and all the rest of it. And it's true enough, you know, we're, we're all coerced into doing things and brainwashed by mainly through fiction and so on and advertising into behaving the way that your masters want you to behave. And it's all very successful actually because they understand how you think perfectly well, perfectly well. And also too, getting back to the big boys at the top, remember Milner Group, this is the Rhodes Foundation that was uh, part Rothschild. They, they, they both owned it. But this is the Rhodes. They, they formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which runs the world today. And they have uh, the same organization across every country in the world, even, every, even across the European Parliament. They're all members of it, too. So they were privately run by, by these private um, think tanks, not just think tanks, but, but really institutions, they call themselves. 
And the Council on Foreign Relations is the American one. It says here in a foreign policy article entitled Mali's 2.5% Problem, the political writer and former Chatham House fellow, Chatham House is the headquarters for Royal Institute of International Affairs, Roger Howard calls for new and highly drastic population control measures in Mali to reduce the terrorist threat. Now, remember, understand these guys look at the globe as a globe. They own the globe. Then, so they're looking at Mali, they're looking at you too, folks. It says, in the aftermath of the Algerian attacks and the insurgency in Mali, expect to hear an overwhelming silence about the population issue. The taboo that continues to surround the issue of population control needs to be cast aside. New and highly drastic means of curbing the rate of growth have to be devised and put into practice if this dire threat to regional and international stability is ever to be averted. To make his argument, Howard suggests that geopolitical unstable situations are in effect caused by population growth. Therefore, he argues, highly drastic population control policies in war-torn Mali should be put in place to avert a threat to regional and international stability. In other words, avert terrorism in the future by overpopulation, by fundamentalists, by implementing mega-terrorism or population control. Sterilization, folks. You control through sterilization or you do mass killings. Howard, who has made a name for himself, writing articles on geopolitics for many international newspapers, and as a Chatham House member, is also editor connected with the UK-based population control advocacy group Population Matters, which is a cesspool of conservationists and environmentalists. That's just their front cover. Describing humanity as locusts, and I read the article too, I'll put the link up again tonight, uh, and calling for worldwide population reduction in the name of the earth, meaning for, for his own kind to run it with all of us gone. And it says, following this line of reasoning, though, and every possible problem will be solved if only population control is implemented. Want to reduce victims of drunk driving? Then reduce human numbers. Looking to cure cancer? Reduce the birth rate so less people will die as a result of cancer. As the case of Roger Howard clearly illustrates, modern crypto-eugenic consensus will provide the solution of population control for any and every calamity that may arise. For example, several studies have been published which call for mass population reduction in the name of poverty reduction. In 2009, Ban Ki-moon's top advisor, Dr. Jeffrey Sachs, protege Matthew Bonds, wrote a dissertation entitled Sociality, Sterility and Poverty, Host-Pathogen Co-Evolution with Implications for Human Ecology, in which case the case is made that the best way to eradicate poverty and diseases to, well, you eradicate the humans. That's what it's about, folks. And these are the guys belonging to the institutions that own you. That's how they see you. You're owned. They give you your thoughts, your behavior. They give you all the things to join. They even tell you what gender you should try and try this, try that, as you destroy all of society. Divide, fraction, conquer. Make them helpless, dysfunctional. Then you remake humanity in your own image. I'll put that up tonight too. There's two articles on that one, I'll put them both up. From Hamish Massachusetts, Frontier Canada, it's good night, may your God or your gods go with you.